Welcome to For the Record, behind-the-scenes insider podcast with Colin McCall, where we take a forward-facing look at your environmental requirements and help you make your EHS program an indispensable and strategic part of your company's growth. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter. And now, here's your host, Colin McCall. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. Pleasure to have you, as always. I'm excited. Today, I'm joined by Nick Evans. Nick is a friend of mine and a friend of all fours. He's with Precision Partners, LLC. So we're here today to learn a little bit more about some of the things that Nick has going on and specifically around the model of service that Nick and his team are offering around environmental compliance as a service. And, you know, in this podcast, we typically talk about regulatory things and policy things and stuff like that, where you can plan ahead. We don't often talk about a service offering, but to me, this is a really cool topic. And Nick is a a great speaker. So I thought it would be fun to have him on. Um, The reason I like talking about a service in this case is because it's just a really nifty way to look at your environmental program a little bit differently, you know, just in terms of how you tackle it and how you tackle some of the responsibilities that you have around emissions limits and and things like that, that you're trying to demonstrate compliance with. So I think Nick has some really neat stuff going on, and I'm excited to talk through that with him today. Nick, I'll go over to you just to introduce yourself to the listeners and talk a little bit about you and, and your company and what you have going. Well, thank you so much, Colin. I appreciate you having me on. This is pretty cool. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk about some pretty innovative things that we're trying to do here. And I'll start by just giving you a bit of an overview of Precision Partners more than anything else. Um, yep. Precision Partners is was formed really by Rod and Sydney Gravely quite a few number of years ago. And both of them have kind of oodles of experience in different industries. And Cindy is much more from the professional services background and Rod from the air pollution control. But one of the key things that the whole basis of Precision Partners is, is built around is trying to find the gaps in the market and kind of reshaping exactly how we offer things to better serve the clients. And it kind of it sounds a bit of uh, a tongue twister or, or, or something that, you know, a lot of people say in terms of value adding and all these things, but truly the way we structured the business is flipping the complete market on its head, trying to look at air pollution control as a complete service rather than individual items, individual services, products, you know, technologies and all of these things. So Nick, part of the intro to the podcast that's that's pre-recorded is we talk about helping folks really turn their environmental programs from something that is maybe just compliance focused into something that's more indispensable for their organizations. And there's lots of different ways to do that. Uh, I mean, there's getting more efficient with your program. There's minimizing liabilities associated with your program. You know, there's lots of different ways that that kind of fit the essence of what this podcast is about. And so I, I think that this this concept of of compliance as a service is just one facet of that. So I'm looking yeah. forward to chatting through it. I I guess just broadly, um, and I appreciate that intro to the company, 
but so tell me about the broad concept of of compliance as a service. Maybe elaborate a little bit further on it. What is it? What's it all about? Okay, so the whole concept of an, uh, environmental compliance as a service, and just to let you know, we did try and call it compliance as a service, but when you Google it, it comes up with loads of tax firms. So we we had to put the environmental in, so it kind of people pretty much understood. But it, it's essentially cradle to grave compliance. So if you're from a client standpoint and you're hit with a permit, you've got to meet some uh, environmental regulations. What we're trying to do is offer a client a one-stop shop, cradle to grave, everything they need to meet that compliance. And that is not just your stereotypical uh, piece of technology, whether it's an ESP or a bag house or SCR, or whether it's operating the system, maintaining it, every single thing that that client needs, we can offer. Now, the whole base of Precision Partners is we're not trying to reinvent what's already there. You know, we work with companies just like all four who are specialists in what they do. And so rather than try to reproduce it ourselves, which a lot of companies do, we work with key partners like all four to provide certain aspects of that. And so we split the, the, the environmental compliance into big five chunks. And those five chunks are based around what we believe are, are client decision-making criteria. So you look at all the upfront stuff. So before you even build anything, understanding exactly what you need and all the permits and all of those things, moving into designing the system, the fundamental system that won't just take you to where you need today, but working with you to look at the strategy, the long-term strategy of uh, what you want to do with your furnaces, your boilers, your kilns, uh, expansion plans, future legislation, things like that, and how you're going to control it. So we can put advanced controls, remote monitoring. We can then operate and maintain it. And then one of the key facets to all of this is um, when you look at the, the cost, the finance, and the risk of all of this. So we're yes, we're a one-stop shop. You can come to us for any one individual aspect or the entire uh, system or the entire solution. But we can also finance that project over a long-term basis. And we can also take the risk on and so in essence, what we're offering our clients in terms of the premium offering is you can buy clean air out of your stack and there's a price to providing clean air out of your stack. So you can outsource everything in terms of the risk and the finance to us. So let, let's talk through a, a situation, like a specific okay. situation. We've got, we've got a process, we've got a stack, we've got a limit, we've got a control device. Is that... Just kind of walk through the, the the scope of this and and how things fit together. So the way the way we shape it is that almost every single thing. So there's probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of individual purchases you would make over, a, say, a ten year basis for compliance. Okay, that is from you know doing air studies up front, permits to the owners, engineers, to the operators, and all these kind of things. And so what we do is we map out all these individual elements and provide them as essentially, I don't know if it's a term out here, but when I was a kid, you used to go to uh, candy sweet stores and get pick and mix, right? You used to be able to get one cola bottle here, one one cola bottle there. And the idea is this is the same. You can pick and mix all the elements that are right for you because no two clients are the same. No two permits are the same. Everyone needs individual aspects. Uh, and then we build the entire solution so that it's totally individual for that client. Then what we do is we kind of run through that a little bit, understand what the risk that a client wants to take on or they want us to take on, 
the finance and the capital that they want to take on and vice versa and build that ultimate solution so that they know they've got a partner. Now, the beauty is is not set in stone. So what you buy on day one doesn't have to be what is delivered in, in five, 10 years time because it can evolve over time. So we're working with clients now that are working maybe more in a traditional perspective. They want some support up front. They want us to, to deliver the equipment. They might want us to operate and maintain the system. But as time goes on, they might want more advanced remote monitoring. They might want us to look at the risk and taking that off their hands because the resources on site, um, they, they've lost resources or they can't get resources to, to support them on site. So these things can evolve. And I know it's a, maybe a bit of a loosey-goosey kind of answer, but uh, it, what we're trying to do is put a box around compliance. And that's something that really hasn't been done before. Um, it's something potentially that can't be done by the types of businesses in air pollution control. You know, you mentioned, Colin, I've been around a bit. I've worked for a fair few different companies. And one of the striking things is there's a huge amount of quality in the industry. There's innovation, but the innovation principally is on a technical route. So you're getting advancements in ESPs and bag houses and ceramic filters and SCRs, and that's phenomenal. We need it. But what we're trying not to do is we're not trying to reinvent and tell anybody we've got the best SCR, the best anything. We use the best, but we package it in a way that is most efficient to meet compliance. And that's why we can guarantee that compliance on the back end. Nick, I'm curious, knowing that this is a, a new tool, a new model, a new way to look at, at you know, an emissions limit and how the, you know, the risk and responsibility of compliance around that limit is managed. I, I bet you folks are curious. Th this conceptually, I believe, has been applied in other areas. You know, there's yep. there's other aspects of of the our listeners, you know, companies. There's other parts of their companies that that use this tool and this model. I'm curious if you could walk through what what are some of the other areas where this kind of concept has been applied before and then I'll probably have a follow-up or two on that. Yeah, so like, you know, the, it's called XAAS, you know, as a service kind of models. And, you know, in our consumer lives, it's used every day, right? We, we do this kind of thing constantly um, from, you know, buying, you know, my furnaces went this winter in the cold weather of Chicago. And in essence, you're doing things as a service there. You're paying for it as you go along rather than upfront capital. They're taking a risk. But it's actually becoming more prevalent in the kind of B2B industrial manufacturing industry itself, you know. Oxygen has been probably done for the past four or five years where oxygen is supplied to some of these industries and some of these compliance as a service. So there's no capital put up. You know, the vendor takes charge of all of the, the capital and they provide oxygen for a fixed fee for a number of years. Um, and more prevalent nowadays is a, a fairly big one is energy as a service, decentralized uh, microgrids on, uh, on certain facilities so we're taking advantage of waste heat recovery incentives right now and things like that, that's becoming more prevalent. And that's where we can align very, very well with something like that. Emissions control and, uh, and what we're doing is probably seen in, in most people's minds as quite a difficult thing because it's a fluctuating thing. Uh, but the way we look at it is very different. We can box the compliance. We can box a requirement from an inlet to an outlet. Uh, and once you can box something, you can actually put rigidity to it and you can actually understand better how you can actually put a price to that and a price to the risk. You know, we, we talk a lot 
with our peers, with our colleagues about the knowledge, the knowledge that is is retiring, yeah, the knowledge that is uh, leaving leaving the industry, and the really fiercely competitive market that's out there for good talented people to to yep. sign on to EHS programs and and that's just the reality I think of the of the way the market is out there right now I don't think it's anyone doing anything wrong I just think um, competition is fierce and and retention is is tough for everybody so having um like every time I hear a way to take some of the uh, the the burden or the need for long for ongoing institutional knowledge to have yeah. to stay locked in place. I like it because I, yep. I, I think it's just anytime there's a tool that can help with that, with, with that difficulty around retention and things like that. Um, I think that's a good thing. So if I'm on, if I'm in an EHS team and perhaps this kind of model hasn't been applied environmentally, there might be other, peers that you have in your own organization, if you're listening to this, that that do that with energy yeah. or they use that kind of model. And you can you can lean on those folks a little bit and say, hey, tell me more about this. How's it worked for us? You know, things like that. Um, so I'd encourage folks to do that. I think, Colin, you, you're hitting that on the head. One of the key aspects of driving all of these things, right, whether it's ECAS, you know, whether it's uh, energy as a service or steam as a service or, or whatever it is, right? It's part of it is one is risk. Does a client believe that that, that service, that output is core to their business, number one? And let's be honest, emissions control is not core to power producers, glass producers, steel producers. It's a must have, not something that they, they list as one of their core objectives or, or core uh, uh, things that they're fully capable of. The second is, there aren't the people in the market. So the the age profile of people working in this industry is going up. And for those that are coming in new, they're not necessarily, in, in the broad sense, I don't believe, the type of people that are looking to work on sites in maybe dirty environments. And so what we face a lot of the time when we're going to our clients is people with a dual role. People having to learn that, that you know may not understand how to work a kiln and the furnace and in that industry, but they're now given a dual responsibility of air pollution control. And it's tough, right? If you're taking this on and uh, and it's brand new to you, new technologies, it's not just learning the technology, but it's learning the risk involved with actually operating it because the risk of non-compliance is huge. It's an absolute risk that can provide shutdowns and reduced operation. And I think that's sometimes the element that's forgotten. We think of the, the, the technologies that we offer as uh, just learning how to operate a technology. But if you don't, and if you don't operate it correctly, you're not just losing money, potentially. It's not just that we've lost a bit of production. There can be serious consequences to uh, not meeting compliance. And that's something that I think a lot of the clients we're working to are the ones that understand that. The early adopters of ECAS are, are clients certainly that understand the, the full risks that they have to take on with uh, with compliance. Nick, we'll have to talk, and I know we're going to have some more conversation outside of this podcast about some of the control technologies that you mentioned, um, ceramic filters being one of them, yeah. interesting technology for sure. Um, you know, I would just say that we've had a couple other conversations recently 
on this podcast about tightened fine particulate ambient standards. Uh, we know that's coming up and perhaps the resulting need to uh, for state agencies to set up banks of emission offsets, available emission yeah. offsets for fine particulate NOx and SO2. And there might be companies out there that are finding themselves either having the need to uh, purchase some of these credits in these new markets, depending on how attainment works out, or they might find the need to internally offset emissions such that a project could can be um, can be permitted. So there might be a real uh, need in certain areas for tighter controls, uh, newer technologies, and yeah. and there might even be a proactive thing where fine particulate and NOx and SO2 emissions reductions, like documented banked emissions reductions, become very valuable I'm things um, yeah. that might offset. So I don't know. I just I, I just mentioned that broadly because we're talking about control technologies and it, it fits into um, some of what's going on with these ambient standards. But it's cool though, isn't it? Because when you when you change the mindset of an industry, and that's you know we're, we're in the early stages. You know this industry been around for decades. We're trying to change the way people think, and so from our perspective, we're trying to say. Don't think about everything as a capital purchase. Don't think about it as a technology. Think about it as clean air, right? And when you go down that line, the, the possibilities are endless. And so when you're talking about NOx credits, you're thinking about carbon capture credits and, and 45Q and all these kind of things that both can provide funding, right, but can provide opportunities. And so, you know, we're working on carbon capture projects right now and, and looking at not only the technology side of things, but we could guarantee the flue gas conditions. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a marketeer, sales guy, whichever you want to call it. So I come up with loads of potential little buzzwords and things. But instead of air pollution control, it's, it's essentially flue gas cleanup in the carbon capture world. And so what we can do is we can guarantee the flue gas conditions in front of carbon capture technology. And ceramic filters is probably best suited for that because it can provide an incredibly risk averse um, flue gas conditions. You know, it has very little downtime. The filters last for or can last for over 10 years, all these great things. Um, and so going back to your point, NOx credits, banking um, performance, all these kind of things is possible. You can overachieve essentially and then share that benefit to others. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how it all fits together. Nick, beyond, you know, maybe the difficulty of going from from one model to another or one way to run an environmental program to another, like beyond the the inertia that's needed for that or the psychology uh you know around that. Um just looking at it from a pure, I guess, technical standpoint or a process standpoint, are, are there situations where Compliance as a service is is ideal versus situations where maybe it's not for whatever reason because there's some process thing or there's some technical thing. Like I'm just looking for perspective from you on that as people are thinking about maybe some new ways of of doing things in their own uh, EHS programs. So so technically, like is in physically being able to achieve um, air pollution control, it's worth 
the investment. So it's worth going down this line, I would suggest, if there's more than one pollutant. So when you're looking at multiple pollutants, it gets more difficult. As you know, Colin, you know, mm-hmm. managing all these different pollutants and meeting the permit standards is difficult. If you're looking at just one, which is getting much more unusual these days, it's yeah. possibly easier technology, easier to understand and easier to meet compliance. So that would be one thing I would yeah. suggest, you know, but more and more companies. Um, the other thing is, it's okay for companies to have different strategies, right? There's no right or wrong way to run, but ECAS is certainly driven for those companies that wish to think a bit more long-term. So if you're running your business on a, on a short-term cash flow, one to two years on, on capital investment, and you're running it that way, certainly, you know, I, I did a lot of work in the coal industry. In the coal industry, uh, coal power has changed phenomenally where these coal plants are running on a, you know, an, almost on a daily understanding of, of um, where the money is because they're, they're, they're private equity owned a lot of it. So it's where can they make the most money out of that? And so those short term views on operation are probably not uh, as suitable. Yeah. So ECAS is definitely for those clients that think, hey, we don't have this capability right in-house or we don't want it. It's not part of our core philosophy. We want to make glass. We want to make steel. We want to burn biomass, we want to get rid of um, sewage sludge, whatever it is, right? That's what their core is. We can take care of the background. It's suitable for those kind of companies that are often financed over a long-term period because naturally they will uh, evaluate things on a lifetime cost rather than a capital cost. So we're spreading capital and OPEX over a long-term basis. And that's essentially bringing all the costs into one. That's probably prevalent for some of the uh, private equity owned uh, facilities, which is, again, becoming more relevant. Yeah. Does that, yeah. Does that give that you makes, a better idea? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I think it's always helpful to, to just have a, a scope for that, you know, as folks yeah. are, are contemplating some different tools. Um, I, I, like to, I like to end, maybe not end, because I'll kind of open the floor to you, see if there's anything else. But I like to try to end on the impossible to answer just sort of long-term question. I'm just curious from you. I, I mean, obviously the model is something new, you know, what yeah. we've discussed is something new. Yeah. Um, but I'll even ask you, I'll go beyond this, this new model and say, what else? Like where, where do you see this going in the future? You know, you've, you've had a lot of conversations around it. You've studied it a lot. Where do you see the the this model going? And then maybe are there other parts of EHS programs beyond the control piece that you might see something like this being applied to in the future? And if the answer is no, let's tackle this layer first. That's fine. Um, I'm just <laughs> curious. I'm just curious your for your perspective on that longer term outlook. It's kind of interesting, right? Because we're, this is a new concept, new concept in the air pollution control world. But most innovations, I think, you know, I did a, an MBA a few years ago at, at Notre Dame, go Irish, although I'm English, apologies for that. Um, but the one of the key facets all of this is about, I think it's 95 or 96% of all innovations are actually just a rehash of something that's already out in the market. And, you know, I got into this industry, was it, 20 odd years ago. Um, I didn't think I was, you know, I'm a farmer's son and no experience in engineering, no experience in heavy engineering or anything like this and kind of fell into it more than anything else. And so I like to think I 
can see a slightly different perspective. I look at things less on a black and white engineering perspective and say, where the hell are the gaps? You know, and air pollution control for me has got a long way to go. It is such an antiquated uh, industry in the in the sense of how we provide things for our clients. We're providing things in, really in a way that our clients don't want to buy. They don't want to buy a you know, $10 million, $2 million ESP or SCR. It's not something of their choice. And so when you look at things a little bit more that way, there's opportunities. Because when you drill down, and again, one of the big things that I learned was the five whys, and you drill down into fundamentally why is it that um, we, we function? Why is it that we make decisions in psychology? You can really get down to helping these clients a little bit more. And I know, you know, you guys are all four are doing the same thing and thinking, how can we shape things a little bit different to better serve the client? So complete mumbo jumbo answer to your thing because maybe I don't have those answers today. But, you know, ECAS is a similar to start. And if you think we're saying we can manage clean air. So the, the biggest conceptual change is saying I would like somebody, I would like to outsource my permit compliance. You know, credit grave, soups and nut, you know, whatever it is, all the, all the whole thing. Where you go from there is... We're already looking at that in terms of what we believe is our next stage is saying, okay, we're managing your compliance. Now, what are the outputs of that compliance? So one of those is waste heat. Uh, one of those is carbon, right? And so can we attach waste heat recovery to this? Can we sell power back to the, to the, to, to the plant, right? Can that actually pay in itself for the, the air pollution control? Can it be almost self-fulfilling? Um, can we add carbon capture to the back end, okay? Can that be, again, at no cost? Can that be CAS, you know, carbon or cooker CAS or whatever, that's a, a carbon capture as a service? You know, all these things are all possible. And I think, you know, one thing I learned off, uh, you know, my family to some degree is, is farming is you stay to your core, okay? Once you start to be everything to everybody, you dilute your capabilities and you dilute what you're really focusing on, um, you know, I can't say the name, but certainly one client in the glass industry I spoke to uh, some time ago saying, as a, and these are a major blue chip company, they're saying, we do not want to manage it. it we are not air pollution control people. You know, they're probably not carbon capture people. They're probably not waste heat recovery people. They make glass, right? And that's what they want to focus on. And so when you think about it that way, there are hundreds of things that can be offered to these clients that absolve them of risk that, when it's managed by, in theory, an expert in that, it can be cheaper. It can be more cost-effective and more efficient. And by doing all of that, ultimately, it's less risk. And for me, that the risk is what it's all about. I appreciate that, Nick. Thanks for answering the impossible to answer uh, long-term question. a bit of a question. rambling. It's a bit uh, of a rambling. I'm not no, too sure if okay. it made any sense. That's okay. Yeah. When someone asks, you know, hey, what, what's going to happen in 30 years? Uh, it's it's fair to ramble a little bit. but I've got a friend, that, I've got a friend that's, that's a futurist at Deloitte, and so he earns a living from that. So who <laughs> nice. knows? You know, maybe we could ask him. I was going to say, it's, I've always been a futurist. That's, that's such a cool thing. I need to have a futurist on the podcast. Maybe we could talk about that. Uh, uh, I might be know. able to. I might be able to get them on for you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That'd be cool, Nick. I've I've had fun with this. I, I appreciate kind of working through. I, I just like I said, when I hear something that's a potential tool or different way to run a program that helps with uh, deal with issues like retention and risk and all that, I I just get interested. So I wanted to make sure we had you on. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. 
What else, Nick? Is there anything that maybe that you had on your mind that would be helpful for listeners that maybe we maybe we didn't talk about or maybe I didn't ask about? I'll make sure there's nothing like that from your perspective before we uh, adjourn. Well, I, you know, I am a maybe a big thinker. Maybe some people, you know, those that know me say my, my glass is always overflowing, right? My, my ultimate is uh, I actually think that where this will all turn is I've got this vision of stickers being put on every single industrial facility, certainly in the US, and saying, you need anything you need, call us. And so Precision Partners is essentially a little bit like that today because anything a client needs, we have a partner. We are working with someone already. And so a lot of people, a lot of OEMs are moving out of the industry and, and service providers. It is becoming more focused and more unique. But I would say I'd love to go around and just put these stickers on everything saying, you know, 1-800-HELP or that kind of thing and say, give us a call. We can help you out. We can do our best to find you an answer because I think that's what fundamentally this is all about. This is all about trying to make our clients' life easier. And that's really what we should all be doing in air pollution control in any industry to, to some degree. We're trying to make the life of our clients as easy as possible. And so whether it's one small little aspect you need help with, whether you need a, you know, a new design of a system or whether you want somebody to run the back-end system on your behalf, uh, give us a call, right? We can help. And if we can't help, we are more than willing to like share it with what we do. We share it with all of our partners and get their feedback into things. Uh, and so that is fundamentally where I think is missing from the industry. I think there's too few people, you know, people don't know where to turn. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Especially broadly like that, to your point around, yeah. around any particular issue. That's good perspective, Nick. It's been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate, appreciate it. I really appreciate <laughs> you joining me. We'll have to, uh, Maybe do it again sometime, you know, as things evolve. And maybe next time we could tie this into more directly to some of the, a, a regulatory program or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, definitely. That seems like maybe a cool thread to, to explore further. So, Nick, appreciate it. With that, we're going to call it for the day. As always, to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And I really do hope that you'll enjoy us next time. Thanks. You've been listening to For the Record Behind the Scenes Insider Podcast with Colin McCall. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter to get weekly news and articles on a variety of timely EHS issues. The content heard on this podcast is not intended to replace an evaluation of the specific projects and regulations that you are encountering at your company.